Good morning, Life Center. How's everybody doing today? Amen. What a great day to be in church. Amen. It's good to see everybody here. If you're a guest of ours, we welcome you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I say this often, there's many places you could be, but this is the best place to be in that. Today, obviously, we are coming up on the 4th of July. Uh, it's a big deal for our country to celebrate the 4th of July. And so today, today we're talking about freedom. And I, I, it may be a, a little bit of a different twist, perhaps, on what you would expect, but I would like you just to kind of go with me down this journey I want to show you a couple things here um, that I was kind of excited to bring today. This, my grandfather who fought in World War II, this is his flag. This flag's been folded for 40, over 40 years when they gave it to my grandmother. And his medals are in here, his Purple Heart. And there's actually, there's actually in the top corner here, there's a bullet fragment that was pulled from his body when he was shot and wounded uh, near the, the Rhine River right before they were uh, moving into, into Berlin. So... Love this. My dad brought it down last time he came to visit, and I was very proud of it. This Bible here is a sword that was wielded by my other grandfather. Um, So it's totally fitting with what we're talking about today. I want you to kind of walk with me through this parallel between what is natural and what is spiritual. Because if you study the Bible, you understand that there are things that we obviously see, you know, the natural things. But there's a very real spiritual world. None of us see God, do we? But I think all of us have felt him today. Uh, None of us know what heaven will be like. But every one of us in here that has professed our faith in Christ are trusting that one day we will be there. So faith is an invisible, non-tangible item that we base our life on. And so there is a very real world and there's a very real spiritual world. And so Those two from both sides of my family represent uh, two types of freedom that we're going to talk about today. And so so I'm going to dive in with a story that Pastor Scott shared with me. And this lady's name is Martha Catherine. That's her on the screen. And I'll tell you about this lady. She was a history teacher in Little Rock, Arkansas. And one year on the first day of school, she had all of the desks removed from her classroom. So when the kids all came in, imagine kind of the surprise and confusion. They were coming in, you know, first day of school. They've been seeing their buddies and their friends. They walk into their homeroom, and there's no desks. The place is just vacant. It's empty. So they're like, you know, Ms. Martha, where are the desks? What's going on? And so the teacher says, I have had the desk removed, and you can't have the desks back until you tell me how you earned the right to sit at a desk. So they're chitter-chatter, chitter-chatter. This is easy. we got to get good grades. That's how we earn our desk back. And she's like, nope. So they chatter some more. Okay, so if it's not our grades, ah, it's behavior. Perhaps it's good behavior. If we can earn our desk back, if we have good behavior, she's like, nope, that's not right either. It's not even your behavior that will earn your desk back. So it was time to start class. They stopped with the chitter-chatter, and they're sitting on the floor while Miss Martha teaches. The day continues uh, periods are changing, kids are coming in, kids are going out, they're calling the parents. Pretty soon, news starts to travel, and two or three news stations show up. They're wanting to take pictures and figure out what this crazy teacher's doing without having desks in the classroom. So, final period of the day, classroom's back in session, they're all sitting on the floor. 
Miss Martha says, Throughout the day, no one has been able to tell me just what he or she has done to earn the right to sit at a desk that's ordinarily found in this classroom. So now I'm going to tell you. Miss Martha walks over to her classroom door. She opens the door. 27 U.S. veterans, all dressed in uniform, walked into the classroom, each one carrying a school desk. The veterans began placing the desk in rows, and as they would place the desk, they would go and stand against the wall in a line. And as this began to happen, maybe for the first time in some of these young people's lives, they had a realization of what it means to earn the right, what was paid so that they could sit at the desk that most of the year they probably hated sitting in, (laughs) right? And so Ms. Martha said this, you didn't earn the right to sit at these desks. These heroes did it for you. They placed the desk for you. They went halfway around the world, giving up their education, interrupting their careers and families so that you could have the freedom that you have. Now, here's it. Here's the thing. Now it's up to you to sit in them. It is your responsibility to learn, to be good students, and to be good citizens. They paid the price so that you could have the freedom to get an education. Don't ever forget it. Amazing, a very fantastic subject lesson, object lesson to resonate in the minds of young people who ordinarily would not have made those connections because it's too far removed. July 4, 1776, America declared herself independent from the rule of the British Empire. Delegates from 13 colonies signed their names to a document that we now know as the Declaration of Independence, forever altering the course of history. In a few days, we'll celebrate that. That day, we'll have picnics and fireworks and love our family and just get sunburned and have a good time and swelter in the heat, celebrating the 4th of July. All of that because of the courage of those 56 delegates that signed and then the men and women that paid that ultimate price as they wrestled and struggled through the battles that would ensue once Britain found out they were losing a very nice colony. Amen. So there's a lot that goes into freedom. And I don't think anyone here, we have active uh, servicemen in the congregation today. We have veterans in the congregation today. Um, I don't think anyone here would, would act like they don't understand the price of freedom. I think we all get it. I think we all understand that, that it didn't just come free. We know that we've lost family members. I just shared with you my personal story of, of, of the investment that was made to continue the freedom that we have in this country. And so all of you are connected to people that have done that or you're actively in the service or whatever the case is. So we understand you know, that it, there's a cost attached to it. And we understand that it took a lot of courage to stand up against against tyranny. It takes a lot of courage to do what nobody else would do. And it takes a lot of courage to, to stand for freedom. But, but here's where I, I think I kind of want to land the plane a little bit today and talk about this piece. And that is, it's really, I think it's really difficult, sometimes a little bit impossible, to truly realize freedom and understand freedom unless you've been in bondage. We enjoy it and we reap the benefit of it, but I don't think we truly 
value it until we've been in bondage. I, I was fortunate, I think. I think I, I think, think I can consider this fortunate. <laughs> I was fortunate to be raised in a third world country. And, you know, there were times you're away from home, away from family, so there's times of loneliness and homesick and all that. But I was a, a kid, a little kid. I didn't care. I had a great time. But one thing that I realized is the instability of a third world country. We take for granted the fact that our country, even though it, I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we're perfect, so let's just put that caveat out there. But generally speaking, none of us have to worry about when we wake up in the morning if the military has overthrown our president and our Congress, and now we're under a military regime. One Sunday morning, we woke up, we turned the radio on, and there was nothing but military band music playing on every channel. No lie, there's not, not a thing on the radio. No, no news. The, the news stations on TV were just plastered screen with, with military band music playing. Nobody knew what was going on. President was missing. Cabinet was gone. There was an attempted coup in the middle of the night, and the, gover- the entire country was without any kind of governance. Chaos ensues. I mean, you don't know if you have a job. You don't know who the boss is. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know where the president is, if he's in the country, out of the country, if he's been assassinated in the night. I mean, these, I had at least four coups while I was in that country in about 12 years. Chaos, right? I've also been uh, in the kind of environment. I remember one time I was young. I still remember this so vividly. I was very young, probably six years old. And my dad and I had gone on a trip uh, into the into the the bush, and uh, we had been doing some work at a church there. I was just tagging along, and we stopped at a marketplace, and uh, we were having some drinks, something to drink, and a snack before we were to leave. And so we're in this little hut at this marketplace. And if you don't know the history of Nigeria, which you probably shouldn't know the history of Nigeria, but they had an incredible civil war for years. And in the civil war, they would go. The, the, the dominant force of the country reached outside into Europe and into other foreign countries and pulled in expats that were like vigilantes, right? So they brought these guys in. So many people that survived that civil war, when they saw a white person, they had a real issue. They had a real issue. So we're sitting there drinking a Coke, having a good day, and this old dude, he's crippled in one leg. He grabs a chair, and he is coming after my dad. Like, he has taken this guy out. I don't know if he was having PTSD or whatever was going on, but he was taking my dad out. They had to wrestle the guy to the ground. We got out of there, and come to find out, he was just, he did not want any white people around. He had issue with that. So I've been on the other side of that weirdness that we have in our country that we shouldn't have in our country. Probably should say that one more time. I've been on the other side of that weirdness, that weird stuff we have in our country that we shouldn't have in this country anymore. Because we're free, every one of us are free, and we still propagate, evil propagates this message that we are not free. Right? So, if you've ever been in that environment, and I'm not trying to say that I have ever been imprisoned or a slave. All I'm saying to you is I've had a sneak peek at what it feels like or must be like to be trapped in a situation that you cannot change. To be stuck in a situation that you have no options. Freedom is never sweeter than to someone that has been in a situation where they are not free. And it is very difficult for us to wrap our mind around what real freedom is. Because most all of us in this room have never truly experienced what it means to be 
in real bondage. The men and women that uh, signed the Declaration of Independence, the men and women that fought to gain our independence, they were wanted to have one thing, and I love this line from the Declaration of Independence, and they were fighting to live this out. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and they are endowed by their Creator. Man, it gives me chills when I read this. With certain unalienable rights that among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's been a long time from the point they signed that paper to the point where we can stand today and read that that passage and truly see that we have really done a lot to try to get to that point. We have our issues in this country, but by and large, we get to live according to that statement right there. Right? Do you agree with that? We have our issues, but by and large, surround the globe. We're pretty close to living that out. No one dictates to you where you go, where you can't go. No one dictates to you what you can say or not say. Right? And it's hard to appreciate that and really understand it unless you've been in a place where you cannot do those things. And they appreciated the cost of paying for that freedom. And I told you this at the beginning. Spiritual things are a type and you see it in the natural, but there's a spiritual element to this. And spiritual freedom, I want you to understand today, has a high price tag attached to it. Jesus understood the cost of paying for that freedom. Just like those delegates that signed their names on that Declaration of Independence, Jesus understood what he was going to have to do to buy our freedom for us. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is with the disciples. They've had the, what we now know as the Last Supper. They've gone into the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus is troubled. He's heavy. He's burdened down because he knows what's coming. He's brought his disciples with him. He says to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And I don't know if the disciples really got it. I don't know what if they really understood what he was saying because you read in a different part of the Gospels, you find that after he told them that, they fell back to sleep again. So clearly they were missing the importance of what was going on in Jesus' world at that moment. But he says, I'm extremely overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And he went a little further and he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Then he makes this statement, yet not as I will, but as you will. You can read through history, the men that signed their names to the Declaration of Independence. Many of them, when they did that, they knew that it was going to be a bitter cup that they were going to drink from. They understood that they were going to sacrifice, probably not to the degree they, they, they may not have completely realized it, but they knew they were putting their fortunes and their lives on the line. Jesus knew what he was dealing with when he said, I don't want to do this, but, but if it's what you want me to do, I know I'm here for a greater cause than just what feels good to me right now. He valued the, what was going to be produced because of the cost. He valued the reward beyond the price. Are you with me? In Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2, Paul is talking here. He says, fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. 
That is what it means when someone buys your freedom for you. You don't have to endure it because someone else paid the ticket. Right? How many like to go out to dinner and someone say, I got this? <laughs> Isn't that fun? What is always bad, though, is I wish they would tell you up front because you would have got the filet mignon instead of the burger, right? You know it. You know it. It's always great when someone picks up the tab. It's always a good feeling when someone takes something that is your responsibility and says, I'll own this. It's always a nice feeling when someone says, you know, this is really your responsibility, but take a break. I've got this. Take that up about a thousand notches to the point where Jesus said they'll never be able to pay for the sinful mess that they've created. But don't worry about it. I'll take it on and I'll buy it so that they can be free. Here's the thing. And this is where, this is where it resonates with me today. What does it mean to live free? What does it mean? Most of you know who Harriet Tubman is, the Underground Railroad. She made this statement. I freed a thousand slaves. I could have freed a thousand more if only they knew they were slaves. Every time I read or hear that statement, it just rocks my world. Because what she is, what she is saying in that statement is there are so many people Locked into a way of life that they don't have to be locked into because they don't know there's a better option. Many people that grew up in, in the 13 colonies, maybe they didn't like the way the British Empire ruled, but they just did their daily business wishing it was different. But there was a other group, another group of people that didn't just wish it would be different. They were willing to put pen and pa- to paper, blood to sand, to make a difference. And I'm here to tell you, when your freedom has been paid for you, you didn't do anything to earn it, but the price tag was paid. But you can still live as a slave because you don't realize that you don't have to be that way anymore. You don't have to live like that anymore. If we aren't careful, we, be, we're, we become like the kids in Mrs. Martha's classroom. They really have no idea, no idea that they could come to school every day, get a great education, and most importantly, there was absolutely nothing that they could do or had done to earn that right. Nothing. I think, I think it's this. I think, I think living free requires equal amounts of two things. Equal amounts of gratitude and discipline. I think, I'm not talking about freedom that we enjoy. I'm talking about living free. It requires two equal amounts of two things, gratitude and discipline. Gratitude, keeping a humble appreciation that you know you could not earn the freedom that you experience. That someone else paid for it, but that you won't waste it. I often wonder, you know, you watch a movie that's, you know, set back in the time when, you know, around this time period, 1700s, or, or you watch those movies where all the odds are against the hero, and he does the, he does the you know, he does the thing that no one else will do. He's, he steps out, you know, to take all the heat. He's going to turn everything around. You got all these, these 
heroes. And I always wonder if I was in that situation, would I have the courage to be the one to stand up? Would I have the courage whenever everybody said I had to sit in the back of the bus, I went and sat in the front of the bus, right? When the water fountain said only white people can drink out of this one and an African-American person walks over and drink. Who was the guy that had the courage to do the first thing? Who was the person that had the courage to stand up for what was right? I often wonder, would I be that person? I think the question is, those moments happen in history at certain times. But it's in between those massive moments is where we live. And the real courage is determined by our gratitude and our discipline. The second one is discipline. Knowing that living free asks something of you. A way of living that values your fellow man. And just because you can doesn't mean you should. And how I live determines if the price that another paid is honored or devalued and disrespected. Our country, in my opinion, is, is in you know, just a state of flux. There's turmoil in our country. And if you, if you I don't want to oversimplify, but sometimes I just think it's, if we oversimplify it and just say, you know what, people just don't have gratitude and self-discipline to live free. They just don't have the basic core that says, you know what, somebody bought this for me and I'm valuing it. In fact, I've heard people say before, if you don't invest something into it, you're not going to value it at all. So what is the problem? What is the cycle? What happens if we're living in a country that is truly free as best as it can be in this world and yet we do not live free? We live less than free. We don't value we don't have gratitude we don't choose to live some uh, allow some discipline in our life that will cause us to respect and value the freedoms that we experience you've heard these lines before it's a free country i can do what i want to my actions and behavior they don't hurt anybody else so it doesn't matter god always forgives so i'll just ask for that later i live in grace i can do what i want to the common thread in those kind of uh statements and that kind of philosophy is you're bargaining away the freedom that you did not pay for. You're bargaining away the freedom that somebody else paid the ultimate price for. You get to enjoy and you do not value. You as in mankind. We, us. It's so easy when we don't realize what it means to not be free that it's easy to take for granted the fact that we actually are free. It's what Harriet Tubman was talking about when she said, I could have freed more slaves if only they would have known that they were slaves. Man, there's a mindset that locks us down. And if given enough time, that kind of cavalier attitude towards freedom will ultimately cost our freedom. And I think the thing that makes me the most unsettled about the condition of our country is I feel like we're getting so far removed from 1776, World War I, World War II, the generation, the World War II generation. I talk about this often. Those, those gentlemen are dying off. 
And those are men that still understood what it was like to fight in the trenches in a foreign country. They still understood, you know, technology is advancing. We can, we, can strike, we can strike from here all around the world and never actually look at the enemy. But those World War II guys still fought in trenches. They still saw eyeball to eyeball the person they were taking out. So something happens when that generation is dying off that there is something that we are missing or losing or slipping away and people that grow up taking uh, freedom for granted and don't have the gratitude or the discipline to acknowledge it are in positions of power and authority and they're making decisions that are eroding away the freedom that we enjoy. Come on, this is it. The same thing happens spiritually. Our Redeemer bought us back with his own blood and we get so used to living guilt-free, living in grace, living with mercy that we sometimes take for granted the fact that I still have to understand the price that was paid for my redemption. I still have to live disciplined, not because I need to earn salvation. That's a free gift. I earn it, can't get it on my own. But what I can do is live like it matters to me because there is a responsibility that comes along along with freedom that says if I really value it, I'm going to give myself to it and I will respect it. Paul said it this way. If I can find my note. I can't find it here. Hebrews chapter 6. It's on the screen, I know. (laughs) I don't know why I can't find it. I overlooked it. There it is. Paul was talking... And he says he's talking about people that are turning away from faith, talking about people that are just laying it down, talking about people that are just, yeah, it doesn't matter. He says, to their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. That is a powerful statement. Gratitude and discipline prevent you from doing this. I don't want my grandfather's legacy to be treated as no big deal. I don't want my Savior's legacy to be treated as no big deal. I'm here to tell you today, there's a better option. Freedom is a way of life. And you can live free. You do not have to live in spiritual bondage anymore. And while we may not have lived in physical bondage, I can assure you that there are people in this room that I have talked to. I know their stories. They understand what it means to live in spiritual bondage. And they also understand what it feels like to be free from that. And I'm telling you, there are people in this room today that do not want to go back to living in spiritual bondage anymore because you can't sleep at night, you can't do the right thing, all this pressure, guilt, shame, disgrace, all piled on your head, but you don't have to live that way because he gave us a better option. You can live free. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1. I read verse 2 and 3, but listen to verse number 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. This is the discipline part. Throw off everything that hinders and that sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from from sinners so that you will not grow weary 
and lose heart. Look at your neighbor and say, you can never earn salvation. But you can live free. You can live free. You can live above it. You can live beyond it. You can live the life that God intended for you to live. You can live a life of freedom. You can live a life that is free. You can't earn your salvation just like you can't earn your freedom. But you can do what it takes to stay free. You can do what it takes to stay above spiritual bondage. You can do what it takes to live free and value what freedom actually means and what it truly is. But it's a choice that we make. And it doesn't have to be a difficult choice, does it? It's simply having some gratitude for what's been paid for us. And it's simply having a little discipline that says, you know what, I can do this, but I'm not going to do this. It's amazing because one of the things that we struggle with so much is our ability to understand that we come to Christ just as we are. It is so difficult for people, me included, to accept the fact that he does not ask anything from me for salvation except believing that he can and asking for it. I can't do anything to earn the grace of God. And let me tell you something. If you have been a religious person your whole life and you've struggled because it's hard, mostly impossible, there is no freedom like the freedom when you begin to actually realize that there is nothing you can ever do to earn your way into heaven. Well, hold on, Pastor Andrew. We got to do... No, no, no. Before you breathe your first, the price for your freedom and your salvation was already paid. So that tells me there's nothing I can do to convince God that I can be saved because he already saved me before I ever showed up. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Incredible. There's nothing that I can do. The only thing I have to do is say, You're God, I'm not, help me, because I can't figure this out. That's it. That is it. I wasn't around when they signed the Declaration of Independence. But it's in the museum, and it's amazing to see. And I'm free, and I can pound my chest because I'm free, but I wasn't even around when they wrote that document. But I was born free because they wrote it, and they paid for it. He'd already paid for it. You don't have to earn it. All you've got to do is say, okay, I accept that. That's why religious people don't do well with Jesus. Because religious people, we always try to convince him we're good. And he's like, stop it. You're not good. (laughs) Just quit. I already know you're not good. I know what you thought, and you thought something a minute ago that was not good. So I win. He already knows that. We're the ones that get in the way. We don't know how to live free. You could take that Harry Tubman statement and make it like this. There's a lot of Christian folks that could live free if only they knew they weren't Christian folks. (laughs) Right? (laughs) 
<laughs> if only they knew they were if only they knew their righteousness was as filthy rags. Their goodness is just, you know, that's the best you got. Come on, y'all. We can live free. We can live free and understand all of that to say, I can't earn it, but I sure can live a life that points back to the one that paid because I choose to live free. It's not about rights and wrongs and do's and don'ts. It's about if you're still tethered to something that has you in bondage, then you're not free. And that's not where God wants you living. And he can make you free. Because whom the Son has set free is free indeed.